Welcome to Shared Instance, a podcast on iOS development by three iOS developers in Cincinnati, Ohio. I'm Sam Corder. I'm Alex Argo. And I'm Alex Robinson. This is episode 35. Hello, guys. How are you doing? Doing good. Pretty good. Kind of exhausted, but pretty good. You two had a conference you went to last week. Yeah, we just got back from the first ever release notes comp in Indianapolis. So how was that? It was actually really good for first time of a conference. Uh, it went off really well. Uh, I didn't see any major hiccups or anything like that. And, you know, the, had a great group of folks, well-structured. Everybody was very welcoming. Everything, yeah, everything related to the conference went off without a hitch. I mean, it was a, it was not your normal, like, technical conference obviously it was kind of business focused they left lots of time for people to mingle uh, it was really really good uh everyone was very approachable i think like alex was saying i did have a funny interaction when i got to the hotel though that was not related to the conference at all so i go i check in they give me my room key and then i go to my room put slide it in door opens i'm like all right it's all good i open the door and i hear hello <laughs> <laughs> so and i'm like uh i guess i have the wrong room and he's like yeah and it was just some like disembodied voice from the bathroom (laughs) (laughs) so uh, i went and went to the front desk and they you know apologized whoever got me any room key i guess it was a pre-keyed room whatever that means maybe like checked in on their phone or something i'm not sure but now it's just other than that everything was very was perfect so i think they did a great job with the conference um I definitely will go back if they have another one. So did you ever find out if the, the guy that was in, well, that was in the room prior to you was somebody at the conference? or? I thought posting on the Slack channel and being like, hey, if you're in room 206, I'm sorry, but they, that's the, the key they gave me. But I was like, nah, forget about it. <laughs> so I have no clue. Well, you probably scared the crap out of him. Yeah, probably. <laughs> and, uh, but, but anyways, like we went the to the conference and um the, the day we got there there was just a keynote and then there was a social event afterwards where everyone kind of got to meet each other and stuff mike hurley gave a great uh keynote on he's the one of the co-founders of relay fm on kind of his journey uh of becoming an, an indie uh kind of how his work relates to, to ios development but it was it's really good got to talk to a lot of cool people yeah, and the venue was just amazing. Like, the hotel was really nice. Um, the architecture of the hotel was really cool. It used to be a train station, so they have these train cars throughout the hotel, and you can actually stay in a train car. And then the conference hall itself was, uh, I think it was the old first-class waiting area in the train station. Just gorgeous room, large stained-glass windows, just just amazing uh, place to to be for a conference. Yeah, it does sound pretty cool. Some of those old Victorian era train stations are really beautiful. So the venue was great, and you guys saw some good sessions. Yeah, the sessions were good, especially you know it, it was definitely geared towards independent developers. A little bit heavy emphasis on people who build apps uh, for themselves and run a business. A lot of business oriented topics. There were a few that were a little bit more relevant for consulting. I think, generally speaking, though, all the sessions were very thought-provoking and, you know, 
whether it was completely relevant or not, it, it definitely you know forced you to think about how you run your business and things that you might change to to improve it. Did you have a particular favorite? Mm, they were all so good. It's hard to. Okay. Well, Argo, you you are basically what would be considered an indie dev. You don't do any side consulting work. Was there any session that or something that was said that maybe you're like, well, that might work for other people, but that this doesn't work for my business. Um, I mean, there were there are some talks where people kind of gave their advice at like uh, good areas of the market to target that are different than what I ended up targeting. But I think what their reasoning was made sense. Like I have a kind of consumer focus app, and I think I forget who the talk who was talking, but they basically said it's like you're you're selling discount stuff at a discount store. That's not a business people want to be in. But if you got there in 2009, not necessarily so bad. But if you're starting from scratch now, I think that makes a lot of sense. So Yeah, and that was Peter from Bohemian Coding of SketchUp. Okay. Yeah, I can see that. It's definitely a crowded marketplace these days. The people that were early to market, they've been able to build up a good market share. I enjoyed John Saddington's talk. He talked about how he launched an app, how it worked really well, and then he tried to do it again, <laughs> and it didn't work at all. It was kind of interesting because he built a website to help promote his app, and the website actually ended up making significantly more money than the app because he had Google Ads. Orders of magnitudes more than his actual app. He had like an ad for his app and then Google Ads on there, and he's like, well, do I just like work on the website now, or what do I do? Yeah, I mean, if you just wanted to do mobile development, but your, your app site, your your website's taking off, it's a bit of a conflict to have. It's definitely nice to make money. Yeah, I mean, I didn't set out, like, when I made my first apps to be like, oh, I'm going to quit my job and be an indie developer. I was like, this seems like a cool thing to do. I'm going to I'm gonna do it. And I think that's how a lot of people get started. Right. And then I'd say another piece of advice that was pretty common throughout the, I think a couple of talks touch on it a bit, but you just need to kind of get some stuff out there and uh, ship it. And then you can kind of move on and, and do more stuff, build your business or whatever. Uh, we actually had a, there's a podcast listener. And when, when he ships it to Apple, I'm sure we'll make it our uh, app of the week. But I think we finally convinced him to do a kind of a big push towards shipping his app. And I think it'll turn out uh, pretty well. It was actually cool. We met uh, two or three people from the who listened to the podcast. So it was it was fun talking to all you guys. Uh, if you're listening now. You better be listening. <laughs> <laughs> That's why we didn't let Sam come. <laughs> Yeah, it was it was definitely good to meet people who listen to the podcast and generally speaking everybody there was great like the atmosphere of the conference better than pretty much any conference i've been to before everybody was approachable they went from table to table introduced themselves uh, it was a single track so you kind of stayed in one room with everybody and had plenty to talk about yeah that shared experience would definitely build up some camaraderie that a multi-track conference wouldn't necessarily enjoy. For any of our listeners that are wishing they had made it to the conference, I believe all the sessions are going to be posted online, uh, as barring any technical difficulties. Not sure when that'll happen, but I do believe they recorded the session. Well, I know they recorded them. I was not quite sure if they were going to post them for everyone or just for folks going to the conference. So I guess we'll walk the see on that. Yeah, we'll, we'll do a follow-up yeah. when that happens and let, let people know. The trend has definitely been posting for the world to see. Yeah, it's it's kind of yeah. self-serving in some ways and, and also beneficial to the community at the same time. Definitely hope Joe and Charles had a great experience running their first conference and, and do it again next year. It's definitely a lot of work. 
I don't know. It's something I've always thought that would be kind of fun to ha do, but yeah, it's just a huge amount of work to try to pull off something like that. And hats off to those guys for for doing that. And it sounds like they did it very successfully the first time around. So good job. Not that they listen to this show. Just to be clear, we're not we're not announcing the shared instance conference 2016. It's not happening. <laughs> <laughs> not yet. No. Least favorite session? Anything? You want to touch on that? or I don't think there were any sessions that made me want to get up and walk out. Um, there were some that were less relevant for me, but I think they were all very thought-provoking, like I said. Yeah, they were probably still de delivered well and interesting, yeah. I can't think of anything that I didn't enjoy. Okay. You guys were talking about shipping an app, and that reminded me of an article I read earlier this week. Uh, it's by a guy... His uh, online handle is Azam Sharp. I think his first name is Mohammed, Mohammed Azam, something like that. And uh, apparently this guy has shipped at least half a dozen apps. Yet his full-time job is a C-Sharp developer during the day. And what he does is he goes to, well, before he goes to work, he gets up really early and codes in the morning and then goes to work. And what he does is he has like a very set of focused things he wants to accomplish in each coding session and it may take him a year to put put out a simple app but he eventually gets there and does it so we'll have a link to the that, that in the show notes it's an informative article yeah it reminds me of a uh, david smith style of, of app shipping which he gave us a little bit of a look into at the conference as well <laughs> yeah, and kind of along the same lines you know we talked about focusing on one thing and uh in, in terms of how you run your business and, and not and yourself get too too distracted by lots of other things and just focusing on what you want to get done and, and get it done. Although my favorite thing was his kind of philosophy for what type of act he wants to create. If you if you remember like back when you were in like high school or college or whatever and the gradient scale is like, you know, you get like a 94 or whatever for a A and a 93 for a B. And uh, he's like, most people think like the best grade you can get is 100. But in his mind, the best grade you could get uh, was like 93.5. So you'd spend the least amount of effort to still get the, the A. Yeah. <laughs> and that's kind of the strategy that he said he employs when he makes his apps. I thought that was kind of interesting, but... That's that's probably part of how he can pump out so many apps. <laughs> that was my brother's philosophy in high school, but he <laughs> he took it a little bit further, and he just said, "I just needed a C. That's all I need." <laughs> so if you got a hundred, you studied twenty five points too hard. Yeah. While we're still on the conference topic, uh, there's another conference coming up in just a few days called the Swift Summit. Uh, this, I believe, is their second year. It's in San Francisco, and there's a ton of great speakers uh, that'll be there talking all things Swift, and I, I think they have a few tickets left. Uh, probably by the time this episode gets out, I, it'll probably be too late for our listeners, but they did post a lot of the sessions last year, and I'm, I'm eager to, to see the sessions again after this conference. That's SwiftSummit.com, right? It's out at San Francisco? Yes. Thursday and Friday, so definitely by the time this, this airs, it'll be too late to go unless you're already in the area. But we can we can all look forward to the videos and we'll follow up with those. So at another conference just recently, uh, Twitter kind of surprised me a little bit. They actually bought Fastlane. Yeah, this was interesting to me too. I I caught a tweet about it on the way to release notes, and I was kind of like, wait, what? And I kind of looked into it recently, and yeah, I mean, basically what what Sam described. Uh, but also Felix Krauss had a nice blog post about all the other stuff that 
you just kind of ship with Fastlane. So everything's 1.0 now, which is cool. And part of that is that everything is built with Spaceship now, which is their tool that uh, uses rest calls rather than screen scraping to do all of the things that it does. So it should probably be a little bit more reliable. They also added a whole new tool that's focused on testing your app, uh, like running unit tests and all that kind of stuff. So that's pretty cool. But does that tool run the built-in automated tests? That uh, the UI automation. It's yeah. It it's essentially a test runner. Yeah. So before they were relying on a third-party test runner, so now they have their own, so it can be more reliable and easier to monitor. Oh, so it's kind of like a XT tool or something that Facebook puts out, where it'll actually run, like run your unit tests. It's not a something that'll run your UI test, right? No, I don't believe. You no, know, it's not not geared towards that. Okay. Now they did also update snapshot. Uh, which is their tool for taking screenshots of your app uh, to be uploaded to the apps. They updated that. Uh, it used to be built on top of UI automation, which is the instrument JavaScript-based UI automation tool. Uh, they moved that over to the new UI tests with Xcode 7, so uh, that should actually function a lot better. Which does require iOS 9, right? Correct. Yeah. But if you're just doing screenshots, that shouldn't be a problem. Yeah, I would, I would think so. But yeah, I mean, there's a lot more stuff. And like, like you briefly mentioned, Sam, there's now Android support. Uh, and someone's working on it full time now. So it seems like a, kind of a really compelling thing. to. There's a lot more reason to kind of invest in it now. It'll definitely save you a bunch of time. I've used it in the past. I've mentioned for just doing like test flight builds. But I've done some some with uh, submitting to the App Store as well. But I think I'm going to, I may double down on my use of it because it seems pretty cool. Let me get this straight, though. This was this was a open source project, yes? Yes. And so Twitter has bought this open source project. Don't they know that they can just use it for free? <laughs> don't don't tell them, Sam. <laughs> well, they now can have uh, Felix work full time on it and not worry about it falling behind because you you know looking at these tools, it certainly couldn't be an easy job to keep up with Apple and all the tooling there to with every release. That's that's not an easy job. So it, it definitely makes me feel better to use it knowing that somebody's has is getting paid to keep it up to date and keep it functioning. It's definitely nice to know that this is not just going to be abandonware someday when the guy gets burnt out after spending night and day on this for, you know, three months or something. And it's definitely nice to know that it it's going to have a full time developer, so better features, more reliable features in the future coming down pipe i would assume yeah and you, you just need to look at all the different components of fastlane and see how much work has gone into this set of tools it uh certainly is a non-trivial yeah and i'll have to check out the, the test running tool because for us at work that's always been a problem we've used like this straight up xcode build won't necessarily run our unit tests and then we were using XC tool and that started flaking out on us too. Not sure what changed there to make it so bad, but maybe this new test running tool will help us out. What if you just have a really old project structure that needs to be updated or something? <laughs> just like delete all your unit tests and create a new unit test bundle or something. I don't know. Yeah, I've, I've tried that a couple of times. Sometimes it seems to help and sometimes it doesn't. But we also have a lot of targets in our app that may have something to do with it too. We can't even diff the project file. It's so big. The tools just like the source tree or something. It just flat out refuses to show any diffs for our project file. 
you guys ever thought of doing sub projects? That may be a useful. <laughs> <laughs> well, we are we are now working on some modularization efforts, you know, moving things into frameworks and things like that. Since we dumped iOS seven, okay, maybe helpful. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. We've already started using some frameworks, at least for UI pieces of code that we we have there, and custom views and stuff. So another thing that happened last week is Apple started accepting submissions for tvOS apps. Right. We we knew that was coming. They said that end of October the the TV would start shipping. They're they're definitely cutting it close with the end of <laughs> October. But yeah, the so apps are being submitted. Uh, Xcode seven one is now GM, and uh, iOS nine one uh, went out as well. Yeah. Now I have our taco emoji. Android users and, uh, are pissed because they can't. We show them all these middle fingers and they don't know what they're seeing. We actually had to uh, make two changes to our apps because of the middle finger emoji. <laughs> really? Yeah. Oh, to uh, block it? <laughs> yeah, well, the first thing we had to do was add it to our block list for our, our chat that we have in our app, which was fairly simple. But then anytime we went to edit the uh, block list, which is in our kind of a web administrative tool that we have, uh, it was crashing. So we needed to update the library we use to uh, support more Unicode stuff than it did. <laughs> Cutting edge Unicode right there. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> so Apple's even breaking my web apps just with their OS releases. It's crazy. Well, you should stop using Perl. Uh, we're not using Perl, but Java's not that much better. Well, it is better. It's, it's, it's way better, but about the same it's age. Not, yes, there you go. That's what I was looking for. <laughs> so now we've pissed off our Android listeners as well. Because all their stuff is written in Java. Ah, uh, they know how bad Java is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, seems like anytime I do Android development, I always try to find a way not to use Java. Unfortunately, it hasn't worked out so well. So, but yeah, I don't know if you guys have uh, been, been noticing, but related to the the TVOS app submissions, um, I'm seeing a lot of people who have had their apps rejected on Twitter, and I'm not seeing much like "Yes, I'm in" or anything like that. Maybe it's just the the people who I follow, but. One person I saw was rejected because they had keywords in the name. Another person was rejected because did not have enough functionality. One hmm. of those ones that you don't normally hear about, but I imagine for this like attempt at the gold rush is maybe a more common one that they're they're doing. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if they're aiming for quality on on the launch day. So my surround sound fart app is not going to make it past the reviewers. Yeah, and. You know, they may have also staffed up and had a whole new group of folks focused just on TVOS. That's got to be interesting what? because there's probably a whole bunch of reviewers now that have LCD monitors on their street, on their desk, as well as 1080p television sets right there. I suppose you could just use a regular monitor with an HDMI input. Well, has their ways, I'm sure. Yeah. I figured something out to make it efficient. Or just hire a bunch of people because they have all the money in the world. But... <laughs> What one app I did see that that was definitely coming was uh the Plex app. They said I said they were coming. They didn't tweet anything about uh approval or disapproval, but it seems like kind of a no-brainer app that Apple probably wants on Apple TV. So they did uh say they submitted it for review. Yep, there is someone who is asking like for any apps that wanted to be spot like in the spotlight when it came out and uh the Plex Twitter handle tweeted at whatever writer was asking saying oh yeah count us in for for launch okay because when the apple tv was announced they said they were were going to have an app but they didn't necessarily promise that it would be their day one so that's exciting 
Well, their their iOS support is a little bit spotty in general. They tend to come out with new versions like every six months at best, and they're usually I mean, minor releases. They just came out with a pretty big release, actually. Did they? Yeah, they updated everything. It was right around the time iOS 9 came out, so I'm sure they were trying to just wait and make sure everything was good on iOS 9. Yeah. And ship it, because, I mean, they ship a lot of apps. I mean, they're kind of their goal is to be on everything possible so that you can use Plex everywhere. Well, and for a long time, they were broken on the iOS 9 betas. Yeah, but that's not their fault. That's no, that's your fault for using a beta and expecting <laughs> their app to work. <laughs> yeah. No, no, totally. I, I totally agree with you. But I was waiting and waiting and waiting for a release, and then I guess maybe it just happened in my auto-updates, and I didn't see it. So I haven't really even oh, tried it lately. They They changed stuff around a bunch. There's a bunch of new features that they... They added support that were not in the old one, and they uh, kind of changed the UI up a little bit. But, yeah, it's all super functional, which is always good now, and the UI is vastly different. So Okay. I wish I had gotten more time to work on the app I was working on before the release actually happened. That's not definitely won't be a launch day app. Keep, keep plugging away at it. So related to that, Apple TV pre-orders are expected to start on Monday. Uh, by the time this episode goes out, then should have already happened and they are shipping it by the end of the week according to tim cook oh wait i'm gonna act like i this is we broke in and edited this newsflash record apple tv sales happened over the weekend or <laughs> oh, this past monday unprecedented yeah amounts of apple tvs were sold yep. pre-order so hooray for apple they're they're awesome stuff so we should you know the new apple tv should be in the hands of consumers by the end of the week I have to imagine that Netflix and Hulu, at a minimum, will be there day one. Be kind of a disappointment that they're not there. Big question for me is whether Amazon will have an app on the. Yeah, I think their recent decision to pull the Apple TV from their online store. It's not bode well. (laughs) Yeah, but they've been on the iPad for a while, so uh, I wouldn't say it's out of the question. Right, it wouldn't be wouldn't be hard for them at all to to do that. Just you know. unless they rely heavily on UI web views or something like that, but oh, that could be. <laughs> nah. <laughs> well, they can also use the TVML um, approach as well. They kind of fit that category. But I wouldn't be surprised if the Netflix and Hulu's of the world had had plans for a really polished native app. Well, and anything that was on the old Apple TV, like any of those channels, which they were like. A bunch of new channels that launched like a couple of days ago or last week when you're hearing this, uh, like the NBC and CBS channels both both launched for the Apple TV, the old one. So I'm sure all those will be there, I think. And some Slack channel I'm in, someone mentioned that there is a path for those the old apps to run on Apple TV. Maybe it's like fairly similar to TVML or there's like a translation tool or something. I'm not sure. Probably is just TVML itself. Yeah, yeah I would imagine they didn't reinvent the wheel. Um, right. That that part of it. Now, have you guys been using Xcode seven one much? I know you were out two days last week when the GM came out. Have you had a chance to play with it at all? I go back and forth. I would say I use Xcode seven and seven one, but occasionally I'll work in seven one, especially if I wanted to debug on iOS nine one. I've mainly been sticking in seven, yeah, except for when I'm trying to debug on my iPhone. Sounds about right. <laughs> <laughs> Now, have you guys taken your, remember we had that hack day when uh, the Apple TV dev kits were shipped. Have you guys played with your apps at all that you that came out of your hack day project? Or did they just fall on the floor? 
They're on the shelf for now. At least mine is yeah. on the shelf for now. It's in a it's in a branch, and I maybe mess around with it a little bit more, but like a day or two afterwards. But I have not worked more on on getting stuff all converted over. Apple got rid of too many things. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, if you uh, updated your app for the Apple TV, you would definitely slim down your iOS versions too. At least I would think you would. I would get rid of all of our. Uh, UI alert views, that's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> that's a fairly easy conversion, though. Yeah, it's, it's fairly straightforward. There's, we had them a lot of places, although we got smarter a couple years ago, and we, we actually wrapped UI alert view. So most of them, it was just a, a one-time fix. Right. But, Did you create something with like an alert view with a completion block kind of thing? Yeah, we just had like this alert. Show alert function or something. Like a yeah, I think with a delegate or something. I don't think it was like super new like GCD awesomeness code or anything like that. It was there. Yeah, yeah. I've been going through at work and changing a lot of our code from alert views to alert view con alert controllers, alert view controllers, alert. I don't remember. Alert controller. Okay. UI alert controller. Yeah, it's just it's a much better model. Yeah, I like it in, in some ways because you add those little. Action handlers and those have the 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 blocks inside of them for when that button gets pressed. Yeah, and passing you don't have to worry about maintaining state in between the the alert and the button being clicked, uh, which was always kind of problematic, especially if you had different scenarios that would trigger an alert on a single view. Although a lot of times I found that was probably a a good code smell that something was weird when I had like five things that were UI alert views that were all the delegate in the same place. <laughs> it's like, yeah, maybe this shouldn't be here, but yeah, I can agree with that. Yeah, so I've been trying to get some stuff going for Apple TV, and lately I've just found that the, the interface builder for it has been maybe it's just the UI I'm trying to build because I'm trying to build something that looks a lot like the new Apple TV uh, episode selectors. And it's kind of a complicated UI for what they do because they have like a little, a giant background image and then they'll have the uh, vibrancy views there. And that's on a episode listing at the bottom. And when you scroll down to that episode listing, it, it actually kind of over scrolls and goes further so you can see the episode description below that. And I've had a lot of trouble trying to replicate that UI. And they're, they're definitely not just laying that out in Interface Builder because the scroll view itself won't cover that very well. It just, for me right now, it just scrolls down to the episode listing and then you're lucky to see a little bit of the description. Hmm. Well, I wouldn't expect trying to mimic an Apple app to be super easy. That's why there's all these people who make the alternatives on iOS. And I mean, I, I just went into a couple of them like, calendar wallet notes i mean none of those are simple apps to make so very true and so yeah it's so i've been having trouble trying to just replicate that with interface builder but a lot of it i don't know if it's something with the the new trackpad that i have i've got the magic the new magic trackpad and it's just weird with the force clicking force touching yeah force touch is when you do that in interface builder It'll actually react to it. If you do a force touch, 
an interface builder with a view that's a that's above another view it'll give you the same as if the same view listing as if you uh, did a control click on it uh, and maybe i'm just pressing too hard like because i get that a lot that seems like it'd be annoying though yeah i almost want to just go and turn off the force touch well that's that's probably uh not a good thing no, no we'll, we'll see i probably just gonna take me time to get used to it maybe not be so forceful with my trackpad so did you guys have anything else you wanted to, to get off your chest <laughs> no our, our voices are all dead from the conference so yeah i bet all right well use the rest of what's left of your voice and tell us where we can find you on the internet uh on twitter i'm at alex argo i'm at aj robinson and I'm at Sam Corder. The podcast is at Shared Inst. We also have an email address we sometimes read. It's sharedinstancepodcast at gmail.com. And we do welcome any and all sub app submissions for our app of the week, which we haven't really had many of those lately. So we, we would love to feature your apps. And ratings and reviews on iTunes are always welcome. Thanks, guys. I think we need to find some some punishment for if we don't get more app of the week submissions. Maybe we like pick a horrible app of the week or something. I'm not <laughs> sure. Well, we'll have to come up with something for next episode if we don't get any more. We'll start doing the the bashing of the app bash app of the week. Something. We'll figure something out. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I'll talk to you guys later. Later. <laughs>